In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have a super awesome guest, DJ Pupdog. Even though he now claims residency in Boston, his hardworking West Coast roots seem to have served him well. DJ Pupdog has worked with and entertained the best of the best in the music biz. He's known for working with major artists, including J. Cole, Alicia Keys, Beyonce, Sean Paul, and he's now consulting and mixing for Samantha J., a fresh new artist out of Jamaica signed to Columbia Records. As Samantha J's official tour DJ, he rocks the crowd with this young rising superstar. Currently, you can catch Pup in the mix at six different radio stations, Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. with the Back in the Day Buffet, 5 p.m. with the five o'clock traffic jam, 6 p.m. the mix at six to kick off his night show until midnight. Outside of radio, DJ Pup Dog DJs for Samantha J and Kat DeLuna on tour and is finishing up his DJ album, No Color Lines. Today, I welcome to you DJ Pup Dog in the building. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to yep. Underdog. We have a super, super, super special guest here. The top dog, the number <laughs> one dog, DJ Pup Dog. Hold on, I, I have an intro for you. Okay. <laughs> Oh, we got DJ Pop Dog in the building. He deserves the most appropriate introduction. So welcome, Pop. How are you doing? I am great. I'm blessed. Family's healthy. We've got a roof over our head. I'm employed. I'm in my studio. Can't complain, man. <laughs> love it. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and you know, being willing to tell your story. I cannot wait to hear it. I think right before our call, I was mentioning to you that I've been listening to you since I was nine. <laughs> Nine years old. So back in the day before. No, so it's only been six years. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm still young. I'm still young. So, and I absolutely, I mean, I've always, since I've listened to you, you've always had such a beautiful, positive, fun energy. It's just a great vibe. And like, you could almost feel that through the radio. And I just remember that just even as a kid and sort of just throughout the years listening in. So I'm so blessed to have you here today. I really can't thank you enough to, for being here. Like, it's just, it's amazing to me because it's like, this is the gentleman that I used to listen to on the radio and like, here he is right now. So this is a really cool experience for me. So thank you. Um, thank you for having me on. I know what you're doing. I've always been watching you for a long time. You have good energy. And when you asked me about this, I was like, hell yeah. I'm supporting my sister all day. Come on, man. <laughs> you're the best, Pop. You're the best. So, yeah, I mean, I know you've got such an amazing story and so much to tell us for sure. So, I guess we can begin. I mean, obviously, you're a DJ. You kill the game out there. You're slaying it. Thank you. Where did, sort of, where did everything start? Like, tell us about your story, sort of, how did everything begin, sort of, from the beginning to yep. sort of where you're at now? Uh, it's just, you know, obviously a podcast, shorter version. 
Uh, the love of music when I was really young, um, started DJing when I was uh, really young. I, mean, I didn't even know I was DJing, actually. I was doing like house parties with cassettes and stuff. And then I would get like somebody else's tape deck that was at that house party. And I was just always in charge of having the newest music, having that fun music. And when, when house parties happened within our friends, it was always like, oh, pup, what are you going to bring for music? You know, like, or what are we listening to? So it was just always in me to kind of be in that world. And I saw my friends Bo and Craig out in uh, junior high school. They were actually DJs, DJs, and kind of watched them a little bit. I, I loved it. And I remember one day, uh, kind of just fast forwarding real quick as we're, as we're talking, but in junior high, I was practicing while I was walking. I was air DJing, right? <laughs> I remember that, that's why I love this underdog, this uh, thing you have, because it's, it's exactly kind of like, you know, where we all kind of fit in. But I was walking and practicing air DJing. It was in junior high. I remember there was lockers right next to me. And two kids were walking this way, and they were like, oh, oh, leave the Indian kid alone. He's DJing, you know? And it was, you know, they were kind of making fun of me. I was, I was one of those, like, you know, it was a school. There wasn't a lot of Indian people. I'm Pakistani, but, you know, everybody's Indian if you're brown kind of deal. <laughs> so it was one of those. They were making fun of me, and I was, in my mind, I think that's where it triggered. I didn't realize it at that time, but since it's stuck in my head so much and I still talk about it to this day, I think that was my motivation of that underdog of like, I am going to be that DJ. You're making fun of me right now, but that was my clicking point of like, I'm going to show you two. I don't know who the, you two are right now, but I'm going to show you two that I am going to become a big DJ. <laughs> and then just kind of worked on that and, you know, worked my way up from clubs to house parties to being at the right club at the right time with a, a radio personality in there, Eric Kubici, before social media, didn't had no idea what he looked like. I kind of gangstered my way into the clubs. That's a whole different story. And uh, he liked what he heard and brought me on his show. Did uh, I walked into the radio station, did one guest spot for the first time in radio ever. It was late at night. And I said, that was going to, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and kind of work my way to making that happen. That's crazy dope. Oh my <laughs> God, I love it. So before the music, was there anything that you, sort of what were you doing growing up? You know, like was, because there's always, there's always a different story, right? You know, like for me, I was like, I'm going to be in marketing and events and then everything kind of like shifted. So it's like, where, was there a separate career path that you had sort of planned out prior uh, to DJing or? Yeah, I wanted to be a, a marine biologist. And then, because um, I, I loved, and I love animals. I love water. And, you know, when you're a kid, you go to SeaWorld and, you know, now I'm hearing those places are really bad for those animals. But again, when you're, you know, as a kid, you don't know that. And I was like, I want to help these animals. I want to train these animals. And then, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. And when I heard that, you know, those jobs are definitely done from love, which is great for everyone that's doing it. But you got to come off from a well-off family because you're only going to make about 24000 after getting your master's, you know, and all that at that time. I don't know how true it is. But when I heard that, I was like, no, my job is to take care of my parents. And with 24000 I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> so kind of got away from that. And then uh, just worked a lot of jobs, man. I did. I, I was in the banking world. Um, I, I worked at Burger King for five years. Not that that was my career, but that definitely gave me a, a hustle mentality. Um, and then I worked at the at the bank at the same time while I was in school and um, loved every minute of the banking, worked my way up from a teller all the way to a loan officer. And then while I was DJing on the side, doing a lot of parties and stuff like that, um, my bank manager at that moment um, was like, yo, you love music, you love DJing, you're good at it, you do a lot of gigs. You know, if radio is kind of where you want to go, put two feet in and go. Banking is never going to go anywhere. And uh, shots to my girl, Robin, you know, um, Union Bank in California. She's still there. She still runs it. 
And um, I was like, you're right. And I put both feet in and kind of went after radio, did a bunch of side jobs, you know, like part-time gigs at guitar centers and stuff like that. But uh, I knew that radio was where my focus, I wanted my focus to be at. So kind of, you know, did that from there. Crazy dope. So crazy dope. So you were saying, you know, the mentality of taking care of your parents, that's very first generation talk, right? Because <laughs> you, you had come to the United States. When, when did you come to the U.S.? Well, I came really young. I, my, my slogan on air is Pakistan to LA to Boston. Yep. I, was, I was born in Pakistan, left when I was really young, but I still rep it heavy. Uh, left when I was six months old and um, been in LA. And then now almost half, still LA still got five years beat on me, like, but it's almost half and half now with Boston. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer I can call LA like my home because <laughs> it's definitely like almost split now. <laughs> oh my God. No, I, I just find it fascinating, you know, because so I came to the, I actually left Albania when I was six months old then went to Italy and then came here. So it just always fascinates me because every first generation person that I meet, everyone who came here from another country, it's always about your family, you know? So that, that to me just struck right away because I mean, you could tell it in your hustle and everything like that, you know, it's, and it's, I'm the same way too. You know, when it comes to my parents, it's like, all right, you know, I got me great. Like, but you know, how do I take care of the family? So I, I really love that. I really, really love that. So what, what was it sort of like? So you went straight from six months old, you came to LA first. So what, what was that whole experience like in the beginning for you? Uh, when I, from what I remember, it was, it was different because, um, you know, we, we grew up in a place, uh, it's called West LA. It's not like really bad from what people see, like the South Centrals and the Comptons, which even in those places, there's some nice areas, but of course, the media shows all the bad spots. You know, even in West LA, it's like, it's like a little bit nicer, but again, not Beverly Hills and not Compton, you know, like it's probably a little bit in between. Very Mexican heavy, um, no Indians, no brown people like it was barely any of that so it was hard I, I had a hard time fitting in i didn't know where i belonged i thought i was mexican for a long time because i they, you know it was all that was around me and i kind of was accepted by a, a group of individuals that like kind of took me in they, unfortunately there were a bunch of gangbangers but you know i felt like i had protection i felt like i was part of something and when you're that young you're easily influenced because you're so different that you know either I was getting my ears flicked or, you know, people said I smell and stuff like that. So you wanted to be part of something that's, you know, loving. And that's, you know, unfortunately, Sotel Tresas was uh, a group that I kind of got in with. Luckily, I didn't get jumped in or anything like that, but I was, I thought I was one of them. I honestly was repping them. I was doing all that stuff, but, you know, I didn't get it. Luckily, didn't get to that, that level, but um, that was my kind of like, you know, trying to find my identity which yeah. is kind of ironic because it was Mexican that had nothing to do with me, you know, but that's the only thing that was around me. There was no brown people at that time next to me, you know? Yeah. And I, and I had a very similar experience as you were talking about that, you know, so like coming from Albania, there, there was really no Albanians that I knew when I came here. Right. So like here I came from actually from Italy and I have my parents who were speaking Albanian. I had, you know, Italian with me and then going into school, there was like, everyone was Hispanic. I, I went to school in Chelsea. That's where I grew up. Yep. And like, and nobody knew like what Albania was, like where I was, and it was like, and then like, oh, but you have curly hair, so you're Puerto Rican. So it was like, that's like, that was like my crew that like I sort of affiliated with. So it's just so funny, the parallels, like just hearing you, hearing you talk about it is so cool. It, it's just so interesting. Cause it's like, when you're a kid, you just, you know, you don't know, you're just like, I just want to fit in, you know, with someone, yeah. you know? No, that's amazing. That's what, and, and then so you eventually got to an internship in LA at a radio station, right? Yeah. 
Yep. So this happened after. So now, um, so during junior high is when I was getting into a little bit of trouble and I was getting caught up with the wrong crowd. Um, when I graduated junior high school, literally the next day, my parents took a, a three week, um, we took a drive from LA up to Canada, all the way to Toronto, came down to Florida and came across. And wow. it was like a family trip. And at that time, there was like, you know, I'm going to totally date myself and but it wasn't like cell phones and stuff like that. So yeah. that three weeks being away from everybody, I lost contacts with everybody. Wow. And um, we came back and throughout the trip, my dad would stop every every so often and make phone calls. And we're like, what is he doing? What is he doing? And then halfway through the trip, he's like, oh, we got the house. And we're like, what are you talking about? Me and my brother. And he's like, oh, we bought a house in the valley and um, we're going to move there when we get back. So they already had a game plan of not coming back to the apartment I was in. They didn't tell me and my brother this, or definitely didn't tell me. So <laughs> I was heated, right? Because now I'm like away from my friends for three weeks, losing contact, and we're moving over the hill, which is going to be even more like nobody's driving. We're not, I'm not old enough to drive. Nobody's going to be driving. I'm going to lose contact with all my friends, which kind of was, I think, now that I look back at it, it probably saved my life. You know what I mean? So they knew what they were doing. They had to get me out of the situation. Plus, they weren't wanted to get into a house. Me and my brother were getting a little bigger too. So then, when I moved to the valley, it's Northridge. A big earthquake was and stuff like that. I started hanging out with more Indian people. I started getting more involved with my community. I played basketball and um, for Monroe, and then I hung out with my community and I worked at Burger King at the same time. So that's when I started finding myself. I got a little bit more serious with DJing. My parents said I can go into DJing after I graduate high school. My grades weren't so great, so they were like, you know, once you graduate high school, you're more than welcome to. I started college for a little bit, messing up there. My parents were like, you're paying for college, so if you're going to mess up, it's on you. Like, you know, you're wasting your money, so why don't you go to college when the time is right? Because, again, why waste your money kind of deal? Not, not deterring me from it, but at the same time, I was paying for it, so they're like, be smart with your money, you know? Right, right. But then I kind of just went full-fledged uh, DJing in, in the Valley and the, the Indians out there, the Pakistanis and everybody, my community, the Smileys, uh, definitely, like, you know, supported me and got me to where I am, I think. That's amazing. So that just pretty much catapulted you into your internship, which then eventually yeah. just kind of just blew everything up for yeah. you. Which <laughs> fascinating. So, like, oh, man, I just have so many questions and so many things for you. So, like, so you would say growing up, like, what were some of the biggest struggles for you, you know, and like, how did you sort of overcome them? Because you had, I mean, they, what do they call it? They call it like, I mean, the underdog is always against all odds, right? So it's like all these obstacles. So like, not only are you just a kid growing up, but you're a first generation kid growing up. And like, you got a totally different mentality. And like, it sounds like being in before the Valley, what was that place called? Uh, West L.A. West LA. Yeah. So it's just, it, it's just fascinating to me how like all the different sequences, but how communities really played a role throughout that whole process and how it can really define you. Right. Like I, I literally was just talking to someone about um, energy and my, my article in Forbes just got posted today. It's like, what do you look for in somebody in business? I'm like, let me, let me, let me dust it off real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I was featured in Forbes today. And like, that's what I talked about was like, you know, I'm like, everybody talks about, you know, being this, get like this guidebook to like help your clients and like, you know, just like all these logistical things. But the most important thing when you're dealing with somebody is like their energy, like what's their energy like, right? So like who you surround yourself with really affects who you are. Cause imagine what you would have became had you been in West LA. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. you know, and like moving across the valley, like your parents saw it. And I think that that's really, really incredible. And they saw all the potential and they were just like, they had to get you out because I think if they had told you. Oh yeah. I wouldn't have gone on that trip. No way. Not that time. <laughs> oh, I was such a rebellious kid too. Like, again, I thought I was a banger. So it was just like, you know, I was again, everything my parents said, like, yeah, whatever, whatever, you know, yeah, every kid goes through that. I get it. I think it could have been bad. I really honestly think they saved my life. So I was around the wrong people and it is what it is. And now, you know, then I, the, the people that I'm around now, man, all of us, like, you know, knock on wood, we've all done well for ourselves. I got a couple of doctors in my crew that there's like 40 years of friendship between five of us. And yeah, there's 18 kids between five of my best friends. Like that's how, you know, we all grew up together and everybody does well. And I think we all all motivated each other because we all want to take nice vacations. And if, if all of us are doing well, one person not doing well is not going to be, oh, I can't make that yeah. trip with you guys. So we kind of all somehow are motivating each other by just working hard and like being able to take those nice vacations, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you, so how did you land the first internship? Because I feel like, I mean, you've always been passionate about music and you were kind of killing it. So I'm, I was wondering, like, did the radio station find you or did you find that? <laughs> yes, I'm ready for it all. This is the fast forward version real quick. Again, I was an Indian DJ. I was doing Indian parties. I was doing a lot of Indian, you know, like getting hired by Indian people. And, and it was great. You know, that's my, that's my, that's my core. That's my foundation. They supported me, but I didn't want to be uh, known as an Indian DJ. Yeah. Right. So at that time there was records and nobody understood what I really wanted to do. So what I used to do is I used to go to clubs by myself with records in hand and kind of scope out who's in the front. This is, this is a trip. Like you're not even going to believe this. But, <laughs> like, there was a bunch of young people in the front. I would like kind of walk in and be like, oh yeah, the owner called me and kind of just gangster my way onto the decks and, you know, tell the DJ like, yo, I'm supposed to be on right now. And by the time they realized anything, I was, I was walking, right? And, and that, don't get me wrong. It, it a bunch of times. I would go up to the front. This is what I did it by myself because it's embarrassing as hell, right? And nobody would get it. Your friends aren't going to understand what you're trying to do. So I, I, there's been times where I'd go up and there's a bunch of young kids and I'd be like, yeah, the owner called me. The owner, I didn't see him. He'd be over there. He's like, no, I didn't. You know, or vice versa. If I see a bunch of older people, I'd be like, oh, the promoters called me. Promoters on the back be like, no, he didn't. So I'd have to do the walk of shame with my records. And then, you know, they, they give me props like, yo, nice try. But <laughs> The one time that I actually hustled my way in Sharks Club in Irvine, it's, it's, it's an OC. A lot of people know OC now because of TV and stuff like that, but it was a Sharks Club, gangster my way into there. It was one of my homegirls' birthdays, somehow pulled my way up onto the turntables. The guy that was DJing there clearly just did it for a check because when I was like, yo, I'm supposed to get on, he's like, cool, I'm going to go get a drink. You know, he, he didn't care at all. <laughs> he was like, I'm, he's like, I'm out. He's like, thank you. Like, okay, so go ahead. If you want to do the work. And then that's the night that Eric Kubici was at the club. And when he brought me on to do a guest set on his show, I loved it. And I tried to figure out how I can get into radio. And the best way was uh, interning at a department. Obviously, you can't just go right on air. I got into the promotions department, worked my way up from there, started DJing. Every street team event I went to, since I'm a DJ, I would bring my turntables. And instead of just being like that guy who's like, you know, throwing away shirts and stuff like that, I was the, the street team DJ. And I gave myself that title because I just knew how to DJ. And everybody knew that when Papa's going to come, he's going to come with the speakers. And that street team gig would be just off the hook kind mm -hmm. of deal because everybody else was, you know, trying to be a, a personality that was trying from the radio or whatever. So they kind of just moved my way up that way and then started DJing for Steve Harvey's uh, morning show and on the streets for him and just kind of got finally got on air a few years later. 
and then kind of, yeah, worked from there. That's so I started off with the internship in the promotions department. That's amazing. You just worked your way up. I just find it fascinating. You fascinate me, okay? <laughs> you fascinate me. So what was your motivation throughout, you know, your entire career up until the point where it was, I mean, even to date, probably the motivation is the same, but, you know, throughout your early years, you know, think, what motivated you to keep keep going? Was it the love for music? or Love for music and the fact that a lot of people don't think a brown guy can run a hip hop station. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> underdog, man. You're the underdog. Yeah. You know, at that, especially at that moment. How many, even Khaled, who's Arabic, you know, who's uh, Palestinian, you know, like that was the closest thing we had to, uh, you know, uh, like a big name. And that only became like, what, 10 years ago? At that, before that, it's dominated by black culture, you know, and that's what it is, you know. And so I think I just use that as motivation. My dad's a very hard worker. I, I had that in me to work hard. Uh, my mom is the loving energy and just outgoing. I got that from her. So the DJ is perfect world of that, you know, like you need to have personality to be able to rock, to be able to talk to people. And, you know, so I got a little best of both worlds, you know, when it comes to the motivation from my family's hustle, my dad's hustle, my mom's energy. And honestly, to prove a lot of people wrong, including my own culture, who whenever I went to mosque or, you know, we call it Jamatkana, whenever I went to Jamatkana, they'd be like, oh, you're the DJ, right? Yeah, like, what do you want to do in the future? I'm like, DJ. DJ. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like, you know, for your career. I'm like, I want a DJ, <laughs> you know? And then even dating girls in my culture, like wasn't because I wasn't good enough, right? I wasn't, I'm the night guy, I'm the, and mind you, I didn't start drinking until I was 25, uh, you know? So people's, you know, thing of me was I'm in, out in the nightlife around hip hop music. I'm doing drugs, I'm drinking, I'm around girls, I'm around girls. Yes, I was around girls, but <laughs> <laughs> all the other stuff that came with it, that wasn't me at all. I was just, I, I, my gear cost a lot of money that I paid for. I was not trying to like lose sight of my stuff, <laughs> you know? Right. Oh my God, wow. Yeah. So basically you dedicated it all to be the underdog in DJ. Yeah. And still, I, I so, use that as motivation still to this day. Tell me I can't do something. Please tell me I can't do something. I know. So you're just like, let me let me do it even further. It's so funny. Did I did I tell you that I DJed in college? You did when we first met. You did tell me that. Yeah. I did tell you that. Yeah. Yep. yep. In, back in 2017, I was like, Pup, I am nowhere as talented as you, but I kind of tried to be in college. <laughs> I used to throw the house parties. It was the same thing for me. I was I was just always been an entrepreneur by trade. So it was like I couldn't stand what everybody else was playing. At, like at the dorms I was like this is trash like where's the dance hall where's the where's everything you know I'm like I'm not listening to country I'm not listening to Taylor Swift no offense so that you know but like stuff that actually gets you dancing so it's so funny and like so I really started it just out of love for music too um, I have a like a picture with a hat backwards and I look like a boy and I'm like two years old and I just have like headphones on and I'm just like so I've always been I've always had an affinity for. Well, I remember when I met you, you told me that you wanted to come by the studio and you wanted to, you wanted, I said I would teach you and I never heard back from you. <laughs> but the love of music is there, but the love of DJing might not have been there, which is fine because you do well in everything else that you touch. So, and, that's, and that's totally fine. You know, when you love something, your own passion is going to make you go towards it like you do with everything else, you know? Absolutely. The offer, if that offer still stands, I will take you up on it. <laughs> Thank you forever. I'll just be the fly on the wall just listening. <laughs> just listening. Well, 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 that's amazing. So like, so everything you've done in your career today, because so when you left LA, how did, what made the transition into Boston? Okay. So two, two things. I know people are going to, uh, you know, 
I knew where radio was going. I saw all my DJ friends that were just a mixer on the station, not cracking the mic, not doing anything else. At that time, there was a need for that. There was a jock, there was a DJ, there was a production guy, there was a promotions guy. And I kind of started seeing where radio was going. And I'm, luckily, I've been blessed to kind of foresee where the business is headed when it yep. comes to, you know, like any business, right? Like everyone's downsizing, has been downsizing for a long time. You mm -hmm. just got to learn how to do it all. And that's what I, I you know, started doing. I learned how to, I was uh, in the promotion department for a long time. I can market a station. I can do promotions. I, I learned how to be on air. I learned all the imaging. I know how to produce. I know how to do production, do imaging, all these little things that you can do as being on the radio stations without being on air. So I learned all that stuff. As much as I wanted to get on air, that was the last thing that happened in my career because, <laughs> you know, no, whatever reasons it was, maybe it was for me to learn everything, you know, and now I could run the station. But luckily I saw that and I started learning everything. And the reason I left from LA, because I started seeing that in LA, the, the program director at that time told me, when I told him, oh, I want to learn how to do some production, he's like, no, 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 just focus on your 3 a.m. mix show when I was on at 3 o'clock or 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. He's like, you just got to be, you know, focused on that and you got to kick ass in there. In my mind, I was like, yo, if I do that and that's the only thing I know, I'm screwed because, you know, with all due respect, everybody that just knew how to do one thing is not in radio anymore. You know, and um, so luckily I saw that happening and started shooting my air checks around. Air checks is something that, you know, what you sound like, what you mix like, what, you know, you understanding radio. So I started shooting it around. Houston called me and Boston called me. Uh, Houston, I have a lot of family. My mom's whole side's in Houston. I didn't want another safety net. I didn't want to go to Houston and work at a bank part time and have a roof. I know I would get fed if I needed it. I wanted to go and just make, see if this is gonna happen for me. I knew two people when I moved to Boston. One of them was the girl I was dating at the time in LA. She came to med school here. Uh, we had just broken up. So I was like, oh, maybe I could salvage this, uh, you know, salvage this relationship. And Boston was interested in me. The relationship didn't work. Nothing but love for her and her family and everything like that, but my career took off. So I was like trying to, you know, oh, she's over there, you know, hey, I'm here now too, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, um, my best friend Heron uh, has a big family out here and uh, basically took me in and, and was able to get that family aspect, uh, you know, like I never felt like I was um, without that family because of them. So I was able to make it work. And then again, when I came here, worked a bunch of side jobs and did a bunch of stuff i got the clubs gig before i even got hired i started doing caprice because i would go sell mixtapes on the orange line wow. i would have to sell 20 mixtapes a day to survive and i wouldn't leave the orange line right there at um downtown crossing and walk up to people with cd when i saw people with cd players in their hands like yo pop this in and then uh, i had to sell 20 a day to to survive and then somehow someone must have heard that mixtape and you know hit me up and was like hey you know you should do our club and I started doing clubs before I even started doing jamming because it was a higher freeze right when I moved here. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. The, you're, you're a hustler. You're a hustler. You gotta do the mixtapes and everything with the, oh my God. And I respect that and I adore that and I admire that more than, more than anything, you know, cause you're on the grind, like you're there, you're doing it, you know? So it's amazing to see how far you've come now from that. With that said, like what's been your most memorable moment throughout your career? Because you, you've done some really amazing stuff. I know you're super humble. I know that. But now we got to talk about, talk about the good stuff. And you've done some amazing things to get there. So um, what's sort of been your favorite? That, that, that selling the CDs, honestly, that's like the, 
at that moment, you know, I didn't know anybody in Boston. So our, our people don't go sell CDs on the streets, you know, like that's not what we've ever done. My, you know, we, you know, Indians, engineers or um, good with numbers or doctors, lawyers, you know, that's what we do. So that moment right there, selling those CDs was definitely like a, a humbling, what am I doing? Like, you know, luckily nobody knows me here, so I'm not in, you know, but now I go back and I'm like, hell yeah, I did that, you know, and like I go back and I'm proud of those moments because it brought, you know, it, it, that hunger, man, you need that hunger in your life and to, to, to get to where you need to get to. If you don't have that, I think it's tough. And then just growing from that, touring with Sean Paul, DJing for Beyonce whenever she comes out here, uh, Kanye getting invited to Wyoming for Kanye's listening party where everybody's at, like, those are, you know, those are some highlights. There's a lot. There's, trust me, there's a lot. But, you know, it's all going back and thinking about it. Like, damn, I've done some cool ass shit, man. <laughs> you really have. And, like, that's what I mean. Like, it's so amazing because you tell your story of how you started, like, selling the mixtapes here. You didn't know anybody. And, like, look at you now, you yeah. know. And you still got so much to go. And, like, not even to mention, like, how many people you've impacted throughout the years, you know, through your music and through your vibes and through your conversations and all that. And another thing that I think is really brilliant about you on the business front, and because uh, I think you're amazing as a person, but on the business front, you diversified, like, early in the radio world. So you knew how to do everything. So you're like, ah, you can't just, I, you're like multifaceted. You're like, ah, nobody's going to cancel me out because I don't know how to do this, this, and this, you know, like, you did it all, which I find absolutely incredible. That's, you know, why, was, that's why where the company's at right now and iHeart's been really good to me, but I've been, you know, in, especially in COVID right now, like if I wasn't run, being able to run the station, I wouldn't be here right now because there's so many let go, so many layoffs. And, you know, there's a lot of people that lost jobs and stuff like that. But you let me go, you're hiring five people. So in a world of we're trying to downsize and save money, you're not, you're not letting me go anytime soon. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can totally think change tomorrow, but... <laughs> But it's so funny because every time I hear somebody say diversify, have you watched the Dave Chappelle show? Yes. Okay, so you know that Wu-Tang commercial? The, no. the financial planning one? Oh, no, no, no. Tell me, tell me, tell oh me. Oh my God, you haven't seen that one. That one yeah. is, I can't play it because it's... I'm going to look it up though. <laughs> so you're I thought you meant the Dave Chappelle, the last stand-up he did. No, okay, you're talking I'll about... Up. The show, yeah. If you look up the Wu-Tang infomercial that they did it was like it was like Wu-Tang created like a financial planning like firm and it was like diversify your bonds and then a bunch of bad words but that's like it's every time I hear somebody say diversify I always think of that and it's it, nice. once you watch it you're gonna crack up and you're gonna realize but I think it's brilliant that you did that that you made yourself marketable and that it sustains you in business because you can sort of morph into anything because yeah. you have that skill set so I think that that's really 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 amazing and I mean so now with everything that you've done sort of like what's what's next what's um, next for you that, that's a big question because uh, my contract's coming up to it and um, you know in radio they start talking negotiating about six months before your contract ends so it's definitely coming up I've always wanted to go into artist management I was going to leave the last contract signing I wasn't going to resign and, you know, the company was all about it. They backed me up. They were like, whatever you need, you know, they full exit. I was going to be able to say goodbye, you know, to the listeners. Cause in radio, I don't know if you noticed, but it's, it's a forward momentum business. Like if someone gets let go, they're not letting you say goodbye. It's just, you know, right. like it never happened. I mean, it's just the way it is. It, it happens, but they were gonna let me do all that stuff. Uh, I was gonna leave with, uh, you know, with, with good terms. 
And then six months right before my contract ended, they gave me the, what will it take to keep you here? <laughs> so I started laying out some of the stuff, including being able to manage artists, being able to be in the studio, uh, being able to travel and DJ for artists if, if need, you know, if a tour comes around, because that was kind of limiting me to a certain degree, being able to, because I wanted to get into that. And they green lighted everything, you know, even the money wise, they didn't meet exactly where I wanted to meet, but they didn't lowball me, you know, like, so they gave me everything. And, you know, there was a lot of love that meant a lot because obviously I'm valued and I was able to start working with artists. You know, I, I started touring with Samantha J. Uh, I did the Sean Paul run. Um, anytime an artist comes in town or if they want me to do like a Northeast run with OVO, I've DJed for those guys, you know, so anyways, like there's no, no hesitation of like, oh, well, what about your shows? It's, I'm gonna get my shows done from uh, Toronto. You know, I'm gonna, I have a, a mobile unit where I can travel and be on the radio in Boston. And it actually sounded cool being like, yo, I'm, in, I'm, I'm on the road right now with Sean Paul, you know, in Ontario somewhere or Calgary and, and you know, but right here with you, Boston still, you know? And that's tech, luckily with technology, I was able to do that. So it kind of looked good for the station too. Once in a while I was on tour with some huge artists. so. Um, and then managing wise, you know, I was part of Samantha's, uh, Samantha J's team who got signed with Columbia, Kat DeLuna, I was part of her management team. And then I started developing a couple artists myself, uh, Red Hot, who got signed to Akon, um, then a Boston girl, uh, Jasenia, we worked together for a long time. We didn't, you know, we had different visions, still got love for her, still will help her and consult her and help with whatever she needs, but we're not working together, but that's, you know, so I, I'm developing that. I just found another girl from BC, uh, Radha is her name. She's a dope R&B, very, um, I see, you know, I hate doing the comparison thing, but like the, the more of the Sade and the Aaliyah and that out of her. Oh, wow. So working on developing her right now, she's a third year BC student and very smart, you know? So she's got her business down too. And that's what I'm working on, on the side. So hopefully with this next move, I don't know, am I, am I gonna ask again? to let me continue or am I going to go two feet in? I'm, I'm, that's what I'm contemplating right now. Right. Yeah. And what feels right to you. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and now a couple more questions for you. Um, what would be your biggest piece of advice to anybody listening? Like whether they're starting, um, you know, they're trying to find their purpose in life or really anything, you know, or if they're facing something, you know, if they're trying to get into the music business or trying to start a business, different things. What would be your biggest piece of advice? To anything that you do, like music, non-music, first you got to do it with love, right? Like you got to have love for it. And then you got to work hard, man. I mean, it's not going to, you know, people like to get to the mountain and get dropped off by a helicopter, but not realizing that you're going to come tumbling down because you didn't, you didn't realize how steep that mountain was. You know, that's how fast you're going to come down. Um, just grow. Just keep growing. I know as a 16, 20, 22, 25-year-old, it's frustrating and hearing like, oh, yeah, I got to work hard. I got to keep going at it when the time is right. But I honestly believe it is what it, that's, that's the truth. And as, as you get older, you really start hearing other people tell you that. And now you're kind of regurgitating it to other people because it, it's – why do you hear that so much? Because it's so true, you know? So – it's got to, you know, and that's now that I'm, you know, you've been listening to me for a long time. I think I'm in that place where I can be like, yo, you just got to work hard and you can't, you got to do it out of love and you can't expect money. Not, don't, don't get that twisted. Get, get your money. <laughs> but when, if you're thinking you're going to go, you know, you're going to become this six figure, you know, by doing what you love, that comes with time, man. I only started getting paid like 
five, seven years ago, like where I can save money. You know what I mean? Um, before that, it was like everything went to investing in myself. I, I still invest in myself. I still, you know, will pay for different marketing stuff that's going to build my brand. You know, like nobody's paying for that stuff. Now, I know me doing that is going to get the back end with the endorsers and stuff like that, because the bigger I get, the more they're going to mess with me. So my ROI on myself, which is return on investment, I'm going to invest in myself. You got to believe in yourself. You got to invest in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And congratulations on the wedding, by the way, that's a side note, but congratulations. It was beautiful. I've just realized I didn't mention that this whole time. So just kudos to you on that and just everything that you're doing. Now I have one last deep question for you. And I always love this question. So what would your older self tell your younger self? Ooh, man, what would I tell myself? First, get out of that damn gang. No, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd probably give me an attitude like, yeah, whatever it is to say. The main thing is that just do it with love. Be kind, man. Especially in the world that we live in now, everyone's going through something. Like you just really have to be kind. Uh, I know, I know we live in a world of social media. Don't get caught up in that. It's so much wasted time, you know, and you're not going to get the time back. That's the biggest thing. You're not going to get time back. Time's not going to stand still, man. If you love something, you know, if you follow me on stuff, you might see a couple, I, I try to motivate as much as I can, you know, like this, the Sunday post, you know, I think I just posted last Sunday, you know, it's been embedded in a lot of people's head that Sunday is your rest day. It's been embedded in your head by those people that didn't rest on Sundays, you know, that have gone to where they need to get to. Like, cool, you can rest, but just know that it's going to take you one day longer in your life to get to your dream. Because mm -hmm. for me, I, I'm going to rest when I die. That's the cousin of death. And, you know, uh, luckily my body can function off a few hours and it's great. <laughs> Because uh, I love what I do every day, every moment that I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm thankful that I woke up. And then the next thing is I get to do what I love. And that comes with working at Burger King for five years while DJing on the side, working at a bank for God knows how long, um, working at Guitar Center, one of the worst jobs I've ever had because I'm not a salesperson. I can sell myself, you know, uh, but those are all things that, you know, got me to understand how much I really wanted this and worked hard to make sure that I was going to be a full-time employee at a radio station and get benefits and not have to get a side gig, you know? That's amazing. So, oh, man, Pop, you're amazing. You're amazing. I got to give it to you. And like, I, I just can't wait to see what you continue to do in the future. And I mean, no matter where your journey takes you, whether it's just strictly artist management, or if you choose to do both, you know, like I, oh man, you're going to crush it no matter what, no matter what. And so. even with artist management, I know if anybody watches, when people watch this, I get a lot of people that come up and like, yo, I got this artist that you want, I, I want you to manage. I have, I have, just like I have passion for DJing and the music I play, I'm a commercial music head. That's why I do so well on jamming. Like mm -hmm. it, I love Drake. I love Rihanna's. I love the Chris Browns. And that's why it works for me. People that are like, you know, hardcore hip hop heads are like, yo, you know, you're not playing that hardcore stuff. Well, you know what? Honestly, that's why it works for me because I do love commercial music. Yep. And same thing when it comes to artists. I'm not just going to manage, you know, someone because there's a bag in front of me or there's opportunity because I already know you're, you want me to manage you because the connections I have. I'm not an idiot, you know, but right, working right. with me is actually going to make it harder for you to blow up in Boston because it's a conflict of interest. Mm. You know, you can't, I can't blow you up out of Boston because then guess what? You're not going to get the credit 
because it's going to be like, oh, the only reason you blew up is because of Puff. And you don't want that in the back of your head anyways. So I, I look for artists that I'm passionate with, which is reggae and R&B. Those are two of my favorite genres. I, I'm a big, you know, I believe in that, that, that music and that culture. And so every time I've managed somebody, it's been, that's because I'm passionate about it and I can sell that. And I, I believe in it. And I think that's where the pureness, if you believe in something and your pureness, it, it shows without even saying anything, you know? So if I'm, if I, if someone threw a hundred thousand in front of me, it was like, yo, manage this hip hop artist. I'm just, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't take your money because I'm not gonna be able to show that like, yeah, let's go after this guy because it's just not who I am. You know what I mean? Right. You got to believe in the product a thousand percent. Otherwise it's like, what's the point? And plus your name stands behind it too. You know, your, your name, your brand, your reputation yeah. and everything. So but I know without a doubt, you're going to crush it. You're going to crush no matter what you do. I, I so appreciate you being here today and sharing your story. Seriously, it's so uplifting and amazing and inspiring. And I thank you so, so much. And now we got to let the people know where to find you, Pup. Uh, nice and easy, man. I've been, again, I've, I've limited myself, which is my, for my own mental health. Um, you know, DJ Pup Dog on Twitter and Instagram. You, got, you just got to bear with me. It's about timing. There's going to be a time, like today I was getting my tab done. So for four hours, I was on my social media and I was talking to people, but you know, it's rare, but it was that those people, you know, not saying that my response is anything special or anything like that. But if you've hit me up and I was able to respond to you today, that was, it was timing, you know, like, and that's all it's about. So uh, follow the journey. If I can motivate you in some way, it's DJ P-U-P-D-A-W-G. And uh, yeah, let's connect. Let's build. Let's build. I hate that. Don't ever tell anybody you want to build because I run away from when someone says let's build because really? it's organically like me and Pamela did. Me and her, I've known you for a long time. You didn't tell me right in the beginning, yo, let's build together. Like, because then I would have been like, oh God, because it just naturally needs to happen. And then if that means years of staying connected with somebody, uh, just be real with somebody and know that it's not a one way street. We're gonna build. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What what I always say is, let's get it. That's that's yeah. like my that's my big thing is like because I know the person I'm talking to has their goals, and it's like, and then I have my own, and it's like we we're both of the same mindset. So anytime I say that to somebody who just knows, they're like, "Yep, let's get it." Like that's just what it is, and you know, it's about empowering each other to go out there and get it. This is your road. This is their road, and if you're meant to this get it, it's gonna happen when it needs to happen absolutely you just go get it you do that <laughs> Bob, thank you so so much the only dream that i've been chasing is my own so that's it for today's episode of underdog head on over to itunes and subscribe to the show one lucky listener every single week that posts a review on itunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private vip day with pamela herself in boston massachusetts be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>